Welcome to Marksmen, a program for men who have been marked by Christ and who are aiming their lives at Christ's likeness. I'm your host, Mark Spellman. I want to welcome you to the program today. I want to thank you for being a part of the conversation. Wow. Philippians 3 is our foundation for this podcast. It's where Paul said these words. He said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing. And I forget those things which are behind me, and I reach forth to those things which are before, and I press toward the mark, press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So we're going to continue pressing towards the mark, and that mark is nothing less than Christ-likeness. And that's not a lofty mark that is unattainable. That's not some a pipe dream, like, well, maybe one day. No, this is something we can hit every day. We can aim at this mark every single day. We've begun a study here on Marksman out of the book of Hebrews chapter 11, looking at the different men listed. Now, there's some women listed, but in Hebrews 11, there's a lot of men listed in our heritage of faith. And some have called this the great Hall of Fame of faith. You got the Hall of Fame and different, you know, sports uh, professions. Well, this is the Hall of Fame spiritually. This is the Hall of Fame of faith. These are ones that not men approved. These are ones that God approved. Now, it's one thing Jesus said in John 5, uh, 544, how can you believe when you need the praises of men, but you don't seek the praise that comes from God only? And I didn't plan to share that verse, but that's powerful. We need to think about that. How is it if we live for only the praises of men, yet we don't seek the praise, or that is the approval or pleasure that comes from God only, meaning we can, meaning that he can be pleased. And that's what we're going to be talking about today as we study the life of Enoch. Now, if you go with me to Hebrews 11, let's get into our study. Again, we're glad you're part of the program, glad you're listening, glad you're in the conversation. Hebrews 11, it says this, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. This whole chapter is about faith, faith in God. Why are you watching? Why are you listening? Because you have faith in God. I have faith in God. So let's look at this. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's evidence of things not seen. For by it, by faith, the elders, our ancestors, these men we're going to be looking at, for by faith these men obtained a good report. Now, again, this good report is not man's approval of them. It's not man saying, oh, they're awesome. You did great. Good job. Way to go. That, that's important. We need that attaboy moment you know, among our, our peers and friends. But this is God saying, Way to go. This is God approving. God is saying, I approve of their life. This is God saying, I'm pleased with their life. The good report is God's report of them. Through faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things that are seen were not made of things that do appear. So again, this faith we're talking about is creative. So as we're digging into these lives and these testimonies of faith, realize we're not getting a history lesson. We're allowing the creative force of God to work in us as men. 
Because a lot of times it's not just about where we've been, it's about where we're going. Don't let your past mark you. What did we read in Philippians 1? Paul said, this one thing I've learned to do, I've learned to forget. And if we're going to reach our destiny, that's one thing we have to learn. We have got to learn how to forget. And God will help us. In, in fact, even prophetically, the scriptures say in the Old Testament, this new covenant we have, God says, your sins and your iniquities, I will remember no more. So there's an ability, there's a grace, there's a divine forgetfulness. So Paul tapped into it. We can tap into it. So this isn't about just you know, feeling bad about our past. This is allowing the creative force of faith, the creative power or, or channel or platform of faith in our lives to create God's destiny that he's planned for us. So through faith, God created and through faith, God's creating you and I and for us. By faith, we looked at this last time. If, if we were here, if you weren't, just go back in the podcast, grab the previous one. We talked about Abel and Cain, Cain and Abel. That's what we read here in verse four. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, and by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and he, even though he's dead, He's speaking to us. He's teaching us. And so you can go back and catch a discussion. In fact, I did that discussion with my son, Sam, a great discussion. Hope you'll go check it out. Verse five, let's get into Enoch. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. He was not found because God had translated him for before his translation, he had a testimony that he pleased God. So here we have it. Perhaps, well, first recorded rapture in the scriptures. <laughs> right here, Enoch was translated. God took him. Now, you hear that phrase a lot of times. Well, God took him. No, when God takes somebody, they leave alive. Now, you don't, he doesn't take them through death. Now, there is a door called death, and if Jesus doesn't come and we're not raptured and all caught away, we all walk through that door. And that's nothing to be afraid of. It's just a door. It's just a stepping over. It's just going through a very thing. Jesus removed the sting of death, and you just step over through that door called death, and you are with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But this is not what Enoch had. Enoch didn't step through a door called death. He didn't see death. In fact, he and Elijah, two Old Testament men, did not even see death. God took him. Elijah, of course, he uh, we have record of his translation that he was picked up by a chariot of fire. <laughs> now, how awesome is that? Uh, Elisha looked up and said, alas, my master. I mean, uh, Man, a chariot of fire. I'm just trying to imagine the heavens open up and chariot of fire coming down, picking up Elijah, taking him home alive. But that's what happened here with Enoch, too. We don't know how it happened. All we know is that we have record his life was pleasing to God. And that's really what I want to drill into today. And that, I believe, is the testimony that God gives of Enoch right here. It's so interesting that a man that we have really so little record of, his life speaks volumes. His life speaks volumes. Why did his life speak so much? Because God took him. God could have taken anyone, but he took Enoch. He took him. 
Think about the magnitude. Yeah, we don't have a lot of scriptures on this man, but we have a record God took him. So how much more should we focus and and learn from a life that God was so pleased in that God actually just came and said, you know what? I just can't live without you. I'm just going to come take you. And how he did it, we don't know that detail, but we know God took him. Look at Genesis chapter 5. Let's go back and look at some of the record here. Genesis chapter 5, we're going to begin in verse 18. Man, I hope you enjoy this study as much as I have, just even preparing for it to bring this conversation to you. Because here's the thing, men, we have to realize. We can please God. A lot of times you'll hear people say, well, I suppose I couldn't you know, read my Bible enough. I suppose I really couldn't pray enough. You know, I suppose I probably couldn't go to church enough. You know, statements like that are, if I can say it, kind of a slap in God's face. Because what that's basically saying, it's self-abasing, number one, which is rooted in pride. It's not even true. But it's, it's, it's a slap in God's face because it's basically saying, God, you're unrealistic. God, you're just unreasonable. And that's something as men, we need to realize God knows we have a job to do. We have work to do. We have families to raise. We have a wife, you know, in our, and if, we, if you're married, you have a wife that you've got responsibility for. We've, we've got children. If you're rearing a family, um, we've got things we need to do in this life. And to then say, well, I, pro- I probably couldn't read my Bible enough, or I probably can't pray enough, or I probably can't. I, I can't go to church. In other words, leaving the thought, and I want that thing to get uprooted today in today's conversation, the lie that you and I can't please God. With all that we have to do, obvious responsibilities, obvious duties, God-given duties. I mean, God told Adam in the very beginning, I want you to till the garden. I want you to work the garden. I want you to protect it. I mean, he gave man work. So just because we have work to do does not mean we can't do things uh, and live our life in a way that's pleasing to God. Now, let's jump into the story here in Genesis 5, verse 18. We're looking first, we see the, the lineage here. The, we're, we're looking at the generations of Genesis. The first 10 generations are in these first few chapters, and Jared is Enoch's dad. Now, Jared, verse 18, lived 160 years, or I'm sorry, 162, and he beget Enoch. So Jared is Enoch's dad. And Jared lived, and he beget Enoch 800 uh, 800 years, and he beget other sons and daughters. So he was 162 years old. He had Enoch. He lived another 800 years, and he begat other sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 962 years, and then he died. And then Enoch lived 65 years, 65 years, and he begat Methuselah. Now, you maybe you've heard that name, Methuselah. Methuselah is the oldest recorded living man. I think it was 969 years Methuselah lived, and he's the son of Enoch. Okay, and then, of course, Methuselah begat Noah. So there you go. Okay, Enoch walked with God. He begat Methuselah. Uh, 300 years and then beget other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 
years. And what is the testimony of Enoch? He pleased God. Why did God take him? He pleased God. And I don't know, It maybe it's just trying to read too much into it, but 365 years, how many days do we have in a year? We have 365 days in every year. How many believe that we can please God every single day of our life? It's not a Sunday thing. It's not a, a midweek uh, church thing. It's an everyday walk with God. And Enoch walked with God and God took him because number one, This was his reputation. That's another word we could use, reputation. Enoch had a reputation that he pleased God. He lived 365 years, and verse 24, here it is, and Enoch walked with God, and then he was not. (laughs) That's very King Jamesy, right? He was not, for God took him. He was raptured. He was caught away. That's what the word rapture, you'll, you'll find this out if you do a little Bible study, Uh, The word rapture is not in the Bible. We understand that. But the principle is it's a catching away. And Enoch was caught away, just like Elijah was caught away by a chariot of fire. Now, Jude, who's a New Testament writer, Jude, verse 14, he does refer back to the life of Enoch. So if you'll join me there, it's real easy to find, man, just Uh, go over to Revelation and back up one little letter. It's a short one, one short chapter, but man, what a powerful, powerful message Jude writes to us. And he's, he's dealing with some stuff. And in verse 14, he mentions this, Jude verse 14, Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these things saying, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000s of his saints. So here's Enoch. I mean, he's just the seventh man from Adam, just seven generations. And he's already prophesying the very end of all days where Christ returns with tens of thousands and thousands upon thousands of his saints. He's prophesying the return of the Lord. And verse 15, and this is to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them by all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed in their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. I mean, I, Jesus is coming to bring the heat. Now, what he's referring to here is the second coming, where Jesus actually returns to the earth. That's not the rapture. That's not the catching away. When that happens, Jesus appears in the cloud. Read about it in Thessalonians and other places. There we are caught up like Enoch, like Elijah, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are caught up to be with the Lord, to meet the Lord in the air, and then to forever be with the Lord. Well, then we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We've got seven years in heaven, and there's the judgment seat of Christ where rewards are handed out, things are put in place, and then the Bible records we return with him. That's what Enoch was prophesying, verse 14, seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints, ten thousands. Now, I want to be with him. Do you want to be with him? Well, don't excuse your chance by thinking that somehow I can't please God. Faith is what pleases God. 
faith in Jesus Christ, faith in what Jesus did, faith in what Jesus said you and I are, that we were worth it. I mean, the cross has forever settled our value. We should never struggle with value or identity or purpose, not when the cross is is screaming. Uh, it, it's it's so clear. It's resounding through the ages and through the years of our value to God and our purpose eternally with Him, and our identity that obviously got hijacked by the devil, by sin, by corruption, and it got restored through Jesus Christ. So here we see um, the seventh from Adam. I want to talk about that that generational thought. It's one thing it mentions that about Enoch. When Jude references Enoch, he, he specifically says the seventh from Adam. Now, of course, seven has meaning, and I'm not digging into a number study here today, but that's, of course, significant. I think it's significant that Enoch lived 365 years, and it just happens to be we have 365 days of each year that we have. But let's talk about the generations just a minute. It's so interesting in the scriptures, we have the first 10 generations, the men that are listed, Adam, Seth, Enos with an S, Canaan, Mahaliel, Jared, which of course is Enoch's dad, Enoch, Methuselah, and I made a mistake earlier, Lamech, and then Noah. So Methuselah beget Lamech, and Lamech beget Noah. Now, you can find this at the at the simplest of study. It's not a difficult thing to find, but all 10 of these men, you, you study the Hebrew scriptures, every name has meaning. Every name has meaning. And these first 10 generations, again, 10, that's another significant number. But in the first 10 generations of the Bible, yours and mine, these men's name spell out the story of redemption. They spell out the story of of the human experience and the redemption of humanity. The word Adam means mankind. The word Seth means is appointed. Man is appointed. The word Enos means feeble, frail, mortality, that we're going to die. We can't live forever anymore. So mankind is appointed this place of feeble, frailty, and mortality. Canaan means it's a fixed dwelling place. In other words, God created time and he, he fixed man's dwelling. So there's a fixing of our dwelling. There's an establishment of our dwelling place in this human experience. Mahaliel, God who is to be praised. That's what his name means. God who is to be praised. Jared, Enoch's dad, his name means comes down or descends. Then Enoch, I love this, his name means to instruct and train up. <laughs> do, you, do you feel the force of faith today? God's wanting to instruct us as men. He's training us up by his spirit, through his word, through a community of believers like you and I, just working together, believing together, striving together for Christ likeness. To instruct or train up, that's what Enoch means. Then Methuselah. A man sent forth, a man sent forth, Lamech, his name means to be beaten, smitten, or tortured. Now that, whew, kind of hate to get that name, but it was the name. These names were appointed. These, these names were given by God 
to these men. And Lamech's name means to be beaten, smitten, or tortured. And then finally, we have Noah. We're going to be talking about Noah next time we're together. You don't want to miss that program. Noah means bringing quiet rest or peace. So let's put those 10 generations together. What do we find about the human experience? Mankind is appointed to feeble, frail mortality. He's given a fixed dwelling place. But God, who is to be praised, comes down, descends, and he instructs, he trains up. And there's a man sent forth to be beaten, smitten, and tortured who brings rest and quiet peace. There you go. That's the first 10 generations in our Bible. God's telling the story that he knows the choices we're going to make. But knowing the choices we're going to make, he doesn't allow that to be an excuse to separate us from being his delight and his pleasure. Because that's what the cross is telling us, that God delights in us. Romans chapter 8, if you'll turn there with me real quickly, please. This is the testimony of of Enoch, that he was a man who pleased God. And he did it without any of this redemptive revelation that we have through the New Testament. He didn't have Holy Spirit like we have Holy Spirit. He didn't have the blood of Jesus like we have the blood of Jesus. He didn't have the full expression of revelation from Genesis to Revelation. He didn't have that. All he had was the ability to not only know his family history, the first six generations, the stories that were handed down through those generations, and he had the night sky to look up and see those stars, and he knew he had a creator. He knew he had a father, a father that he hadn't touched. He'd heard stories. You know he heard stories about Adam and Eve. He'd heard stories about his grandparents, his great-grandparents, all the way back to Adam and Eve. He'd heard the stories. Those stories were handed down generation upon generation, and that's what we want to do. We want to hand down to our sons and daughters the heritage of faith. If you leave anything for your family, leave them a heritage of faith. Leave them the the life lived, a life that was given to the pleasure of God. And that's what we're going to do before we sign off here today on today's broadcast. We're going to present ourselves as men to God for his pleasure. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to make a fresh dedication and a fresh presentation of our lives to God for his pleasure. Because he he does delight in us. Look at this in Romans chapter 8. I had you turn there, but I didn't get there yet myself. So here in Romans chapter 8, you hear the pages flipping. If you're watching, you're watching the page flip. But hey, here we go. Romans chapter 8. I love this. Verse 29. Remember, uh, what was it? Uh, I believe it was uh, Canaan. His name meant a fixed dwelling place. You know, God, God set time in place like bookends. There's a beginning where time was, and there's an end where time's going to be wrapped up and where we're going to enter into what's really timelessness. And that's going to be a beautiful thing. But but we're in this, this fixed dwelling place called time. And God came into our time through the seed of a woman. Remember, it was prophesied in Genesis. Through the seed of a woman, his heel 
is going to crush the head of Satan. And that's what Jesus did. He came through virgin birth. He was conceived not by natural seed. Holy Spirit impregnated Mary. She brought forth a son. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. His name is Yeshua, our Savior, our Deliverer. And he came and his heel literally crushed the head of Satan. And he fulfilled his mission. He rescued the human family. But outside of time, God was working. And then he came into time so that he could then bring us back into eternal life. Eternal life. Romans eight twenty nine. for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate. This is talking about you and I. God has foreknowledge of our life. And so therefore, he's predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son, that he, Jesus, would be the firstborn among many brethren. You know, you and I are brethren. We're brothers in Christ. But do you know what? <laughs> don't let this don't let this insult you, but Jesus is actually our brother. That'll insult religion, I guess is my point in that. Don't let this insult the religion you might have been taught. Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is Redeemer. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is King of the universe. But do you see what your Bible's telling you and I? He is our brother. He's the firstborn among many brethren among many brothers he redeemed his brothers and of course it's not a gender issue he redeemed the children of god he came as a child he grew up to be a man and he redeemed us as family moreover whom he did predestinate verse 30 he called do you hear god calling you today he called us, and those he called, he justified. That's what the cross did. It washed away our sins. It removed sin from the picture so that we could be righteous in his eyes. We've been presented holy and blameless without reproach. Colossians 1.22, justified. And those he justified, he glorified. He gave Holy Spirit to be in us. As his dwelling place, he gave Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost to baptize us and be upon us. If that ain't glorified, I don't know what glorified is. We've been glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his only son, but he delivered him up for us all. Then why would he not also with him freely give us all things? So here we go. God is pleased with us. How can you look at the, the gospel and not see that he's pleased? Hebrews 12 says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It was something he delighted in. Even when he was carrying the cross up to Golgotha, women were weeping, women were mourning, crowds were confused. And through the blood and the sweat and the tears and the brutality, he looked through and said, don't weep for me. Why would he say such a thing? Because he's getting exactly what he wants. He's getting his family back. He's getting his brothers back. He's getting you and I, all of humanity. He's giving them a chance to come home to Father. He's opening a door for every heart to come home. He's opening a door that through simple, sincere faith, we can then receive the pleasure of God and walk in a life, once again, like in the garden, a life of innocence, a life of pleasure, 
a life that every day, no matter what our day consists of, the work we got to do, taking our families on vacation, um, doing projects around the house, mowing the yard, uh, whatever it is, going to church, of course, reading our Bibles, all of that. It's not what we do for God. It's the simple faith we have in what he did. Not only what he did, but who he is and who he said we are. And let that root you today, men. Let's just be rooted in the reality that God delights in us and we can delight in him. And that's all it takes to connect in this simple place of God's pleasure. And that way we can wake up with a smile and we can go to bed at night with a smile knowing God delights in us. What is the testimony of Enoch? In fact, we let's go on back to Hebrews 11. We'll wrap up and pray and we'll present ourselves to the Lord in a fresh dedication of our lives for his pleasure. Hebrews 11, what do we read about Enoch? By, by faith, Enoch was translated, verse 5, that he should not see death. He was not found because God had took him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that his nature is such that he will reward anyone who seeks him. What's marksman all about? We're seeking God. What's your life and mine to be about? Let's just seek God. And if that's our desire to seek him, then we have entered into the pleasure of the Lord. So Father, right now I join with my brothers in Christ and we present ourselves to you just with a fresh presentation and dedication to live our lives fully pleasing to you, knowing that you've delighted in us And we can delight in you no matter what our hands do throughout the day, no matter what we're involved in throughout the day, we can do it as unto you and we can walk with you all the days of our life and we can be fully pleasing unto you. If Enoch could do it, then we can do it. God bless you, men. We look forward to being with you on the next Marksman podcast. Make sure you find us on uh, on Facebook if you haven't. uh, Spellman Ministries. You can find uh, broadcasts there. Also, check out our website, spellmanministries.org. And again, we delight to press towards Christ's likeness with you. Thanks for being a part of the conversation. 